0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And by Dominic Boove. Hello. And United's long season is finally at an end. We're recording this on the Monday lunchtime after United have been knocked out of the Europa League, defeat to Seville in Cologne on Sunday night, a game which United dominated. They failed to take their chances. Seville took theirs. United knew that there was going to be no second opportunities in a one-legged tie. United are out of Europe. It's a trophyless season. But United did play well. They did finish third in the Premier League. They're back in the Champions League. Samuel, the reaction has maybe fueled some negativity amongst United fans. We'll maybe get onto how the entire season has been on a whole. But what was your immediate take from the game against Seville last night? It,
1: well, I I, actually, I did think that they'd they'd go out the semi-final stage before the the whole Europa League restarted, just because of how how shattered they looked towards the end of the domestic season. Um, the, the, the likelihood of an elimination in the last four as well given that it was going to be um, Sevilla or, or Wolves um, or Roma or Olympiacos and when it was narrowed down to Sevilla or Wolves that they were clearly the two toughest um, teams they could have come up against but I didn't expect them to to go out the way they did because the, as you said they they did play well they made fast starts in, in both halves um, I mean this the, the, the the start of the second half, those first 10 minutes, it was it was surreal because United were playing as though it was the last 10 minutes, the, the amount of chances they were creating. They really did have severe pending in. And when Severe got through that and, and got a bit of respite, you just sensed at the time that that passage of play was key. And you could tell the way the United uh, substitutes in front of us were reacting and the staff, that that was just so, so critical um, to, to the overall complexion of the game. And Sevilla, just as, as is their want, they've they've got to another Europa League final. So I think the manner of it was the most deflating thing for United in that it wasn't like they went out on a whimper like in um, the FA Cup quarterfinals last season uh, to Wolves, for instance, or uh, the semi final uh, this season in the FA Cup where it was just an absolute horror show in terms of tactics and, and team selections that it was it was kind of a numbing uh, feeling in terms of uh, United going out of a competition. It did feel like it meant more, uh, even though uh, obviously there have not been any supporters in the stadiums, and there weren't any. Well, there were some supporters who went out to Cologne, but in the absence of fans, there was an atmosphere there last night because Sevilla had a lot of dignitaries. Uh, again, you know, I think they must be the Europa League's biggest fans, and that seemed to elicit. Uh, a more partisan um, bench from United as well. It was it was quite tribal at times. Solskjaer and Lopetegui were having a bit of a confrontation in, in the first half, and Solskjaer was quite cold uh, in congratulating him at full time. Uh, there was there was nothing really to fault in terms of the way Solskjaer approached the game. I thought that. The, the the biggest call was not the goalkeeper I think it was playing Fred at the, the base of of the midfield and although it wasn't really reflecting my ratings because I think I okay, gave Fernandes seven because you know, he scored again which is an easy thing to do but I thought Fred was pro- possibly United's best player and one of the most encouraging things on the night so it, it, as as Rio said it was it, it, unfortunately for United it just came down to poor finishing and poor defending it really was as as basic as
0: that. Yeah, it was just the basics basically, which, um, which undid United. Uh, Dominic, uh, uh, you know, lots of people sort of said that maybe the referee was questionable last night. There's an early penalty for United. Diego Carlos perhaps could have been sent off himself but United can't really root officials can they because both goals were their own undoing the defence which had been so solid for a a portion of the season it seems crazy just how long the season has been that United had their worst start and was it 34 years but then they came back had the incredible run of clean sheets and now we've ended the season and you're only as good as your last game and again there are questions being asked of United's defensive structure.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably inevitable that there were, there would be a lapse or two uh, after such a long season, like you say, and, and I don't think the defence um, has too many concerns over it, although uh, I think Brandon Williams has maybe regressed a little bit from where he was, uh, especially since the restart. Uh, Luke Shaw started the restart really well and then obviously got injured, and I think that was a bit of a miss for United. I'd probably agree with most of what Samuel said about the game. I think... It was an interesting selection to pick Fred in in the middle because I think it it might point towards uh, what he wants to do uh, going forward. We've we've talked about whether they need a defensive midfielder or not. He, he's clearly sort of moulding Fred for that role uh, because Matic won't be able to play it every week or every game. United's probably going to have two games uh, a week. Um, so yeah, I think positives probably outweigh the negatives. I, I don't I don't think it's more disappointing because United played well. I think it's probably better for the better signs for the future that they played played so well and were were disappointed
0: and and you know didn't not did not deserve to lose the game at all really i guess maybe that's the next point we can go on to in terms of the overreaction particularly in terms of what what it means for the summer transfer window samuel do you think that maybe united's failure last night was down to fatigue rather than to the players' shortcomings. Obviously, there wasn't enough on the bench. United should have made changes sooner regardless of whether the quality was there or not because those players just looked drained. Um, But for you, do you think last night was maybe an overreaction to the fact that the players just really knackered?
1: Um, Overreaction in, in the sense that,
0: well, there's it, been lots of sort of talk on social media, doom yeah, of, of people being writ, written off. People saying Williams isn't good enough, Lindelof's not good enough, the defence isn't good enough. Um, up front, they need another striker, they need another winger, they need an attacking midfielder. I mean, the United aren't going to sign in all those positions this summer. But I personally thought that the defensive issues were just down to fatigue, rather than the players maybe being bad players. It, well, it was it was just, I said it was
1: basic switching off really. The the two full backs were were to blame for both goals. I mean with with one um A friend messaged me during the game saying, oh, you know, the pundits on BT saying he's tired. And I was thinking he he has had a long season, but he does bugger all attacking that he really shouldn't be tired. I mean, they they really do need to be shown in videos of Joshua Kimmich and Trent Alexander-Arnold and saying, look, this is what a, a, a modern fullback actually does. He gets forward. He attacks. He's he's the main winger. And Wan-Bissaka, in fairness, was doing that just before the lockdown. But he seems to have regressed on that part. And I think with things like that, you've you've got to maybe scrutinise the recruitment a bit more because they did, of course, scout 804 right-backs and they settled on the most obvious one. And the most obvious one is not the most proactive of, of attackers. And unfortunately for United, when we've just seen what Bayern Munich did to Barcelona, which was you know it, it was the kind of like it, it was the germany brazil of, of club football um in the last 10 years i guess but where it, where it was such a current game united are going to be compared with that because they're the biggest club in england by munich are the biggest club in germany and there's a very good chance that united could be in the same group as Bayern munich next season as well and when you look at the way United's fullbacks operate, you suddenly think, "Oh Christ, do they they actually need to invest in fullback as well?" Um, Luke Luke Shaw has been missed. I mean, the, the stick he was getting when he was playing. I just sometimes you know fans just stigmatise a player, and that's it. And it, it was wholly unfair. And they have missed him. Um, when he's fit, he starts. There's there's no there's no debate there whatsoever. But they do need a new centre half. They do need another midfielder. Although, as Dom said, I thought. You know, it's clear that Solskjaer wants to use Fred um, a little bit like Guardiola has used Fernandinho. When he was a midfielder at City, um, where even though he's a steely player, he's he's such an elegant passer of the ball and such a forward-thinking player that um, he was more attack-minded than than defensive-minded, arguably. And if United can pull that off with Fred, then um, you know his 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 transfer fee is going to look even cheaper because I think he has had he's probably been one of the top five performers this season. He was he was very good in Cologne against Sevilla. Um, they do need two forwards as well. The trouble is that. Woodward came out with this comment in April about economic realities and it is a fair point about the pandemic but United have also got to deal with the football realities uh they finished what 30 odd points behind Liverpool they finished about 15 points behind Manchester City this season they are going to have to invest seriously if they want to start moving up the table um finishing third and not getting it not winning a trophy in losing three semifinals does not constitute a successful season. They did the bare minimum of qualifying for the Champions League through the Premier League, which everybody expected them to do because of the investment in the summer and also uh, because of the state the other clubs were in. There was rancour going on at Tottenham with Pochettino at the start of the season. Chelsea had a transfer ban to contend with. Arsenal were Arsenal. They were in absolute relevance uh, while Unai Emery was there in the Premier League. So... They should have been finishing third or fourth, and they've done that. Now they've got to the point where, in terms of the transfer window, we're three weeks into a 10-week window, and Jaden Sancho has eaten up three weeks of that. Which is a substantial amount of time, and United operate at a one at a time strategy, which is very, very dangerous, as we saw last year, because they they got the three signings in, and they ended it without uh, two, two players because they needed a midfielder and they wanted a midfielder and a forward as well, and they didn't get either of them, and it certainly cost them in the first half first half of the season. So where Sancho is concerned, I mean, I really couldn't care less if they did walk away from it or not, because I'm just quite bored of, of writing about him. And I'm sure I'm not the only one
0: um, on that front. It's just, yeah. Copy and paste jobs, isn't it? With James Sancho. It's a, no one, there, there is no news. That's, well, that's no, what it is. I know.
1: I know. And, and obviously there's the Dortmund press conference today about the accounts. And I mean, I think I, I, I touched upon that a couple of times over a month ago, or whenever it was, um, you know, if United pay them what they want, I'm, I've still no doubt that they would sign him. But clearly they want to do it in a very staggered way and the accounts come into play and blah, blah, blah. Um But if they want to go, if they're going to maintain this one-time thing, they can't just you know keep on going with Jaden Sancho until the last week of the transfer window and not strengthen anywhere else. They are going to have to bring more players in, but People I've spoken to at the club, they have rather dampened expectations of, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people would say four players getting in. I would be absolutely amazed if United got four players in. I just do not see that happening. I think they, it would be a minor miracle if they got three players in.
0: Yeah, Solskjaer's always said it's going to be another gradual rebuild this summer. you saying that as early as January to only expect two or three really in, in the summer. So I think fans might need to uh, temper their expectations in, in that aspect. But Dom, one way to get fans maybe back on board and back believing in Solskjaer would be to get the business done. Maybe the English the, the maybe the success or the lack of success for English sides in Europe this season does only highlight how poor the Premier League has been this season as well so that third place finish just because they finished there this season it's still a huge task maybe to get top four next season if United aren't spending already of other teams making up the ground but uh, I mean, Samuel said there that you know, United could walk away from Sancho. If United were to walk away from Sancho, having wasted three weeks of the transfer window already, what do you think the priority would be? Do you think it would still be to find an alternative for him or to search for a no of position in the meantime?
2: No, I think it has to be a forward, uh, first and foremost, that United go after. And, and like we've said, that was highlighted so clearly when, you know, just take Rashford uh, you know, isolated by himself. He just... He just looked like he needed to come off against Sevilla. He, he was getting frustrated. He took the ball down the ground um, when the throw was given the wrong, wrong way. He, he, he was trying things and they just weren't coming off. Uh, it was seems strange to me that Solskjaer seemed to lose all faith that he had in Nigalo. I know I know igalo is not a, a world-class striker by any means, but he was brought in in January. At what we thought to alleviate uh, some of the, the pressure and some of the game time uh, on the forwards... And it seemed just an obvious switch to make to bring Igalo on, uh, move, Rash- move Rashford off, off, and then move um, Martial over to the left. And it, it was definitely worth doing it. Igalo might have got a goal. He was, uh, he was quite handy at finding goals on United needed them earlier in the season. So it's clear that Solskjaer needs, needs a forward. I don't quite understand why United have to just focus on Jadon Sancho, why they can't. Put the feelers out for for lots of other players, you know, and, and register
0: some very serious interest because. Who would, oh, Dom, no. who would you, Dom? If you couldn't get Sancho, who would you have instead of him as a right wing, just in a fantasy situation? Who, who <laughs> would your alternative be? I, I know the hilarious messy jokes there to make, but let, let's avoid that.
2: Well, now. he might be available, but uh, no. Nah, the point is that I, I'm not a transfer expert. Manchester United are—they should have numerous uh, options available to them. Um, you know, I like somebody like David Brooks at Bournemouth. I think he, he's a fine player, and, and maybe available given their relegation. That's just one name. Um, I think there's there's several others out there that United have been linked with. I don't think Ousmane Dembélé or someone like that would be available. But that's the caliber they they should be probably looking at. Brooks is probably a bit below that.
0: But, yeah, you know, I, I guess they like said you can't that. you got one
2: player at a time. Every, you know, every summer you have to you have to. You know, cast your net as far and wide as you can. You have to do business early and do it efficiently, like Man- Manchester City have done, and bringing in Torres and Ake. It just hanging out, hanging on about Sancho just seems. It seems like
1: it's just holding United back at the moment.
2: Brooks
0: yeah, I guess
1: is, in- Brooks is a valid shout because I think just to kind of like coin a term that we use now, just in in our industry. I mean, Sancho's the headline grabber, but United need fillers as well. Just bringing him in is not going to solve an awful lot because they have got... I mean, I mean what's their backup front four? It will be uh, James, Lingard, Mata, Igalo. Uh, I mean, that that's that's not good enough. And Lingard, if they get a good offer for him, they will let him go. Uh, Igalo, as, as Dom said, he, he's, he's hardly been used recently. Um, and it's almost as if because he's too immobile, he's kind of out of kilter with what they want from their front three. And it already looks excessive... Extending his loan until the new year, they might as well have just done it to the end of the season. Um, and and someone like Brooks, who is pro- would probably be happy with um, a squad
0: player role at the club, could, could do very well. well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just come back from injury as well. Like you both said there as well. I guess the the point in, in terms of obviously they need to get the squad depth, but in terms of if they decide not to go for Sancho, they then need to decide. Do you buy a sort of stopgap short-term option like Brooks who can play next season and then go for Sancho again? Or do you just rule it out and go for someone who's another? And if Social said they didn't necessarily want marquee names, but someone else who would maybe rule out a future move for Sancho. So there is a big decision to make. United, like you said, are running out of time. Three weeks already gone. Uh, Samuel, in terms of the subs last night, do you have any sympathy with Solsha that he didn't maybe have the players to bring on, or like Dom said, Rashford from you know from about the hour mark looked like he wasn't up to it. So surely Solsha should have made the subs regardless of who was on the bench. I don't think it was
1: just the hour mark that Rashford wasn't up to it. I think it was it's really been since Tottenham away that he's not looked up to it. Um, with with the exception of maybe Southampton at home and Palace away, where he played quite well, um, he has been really badly out of form and his look his his charity work Everybody praised him for that and right so it's it's extremely commendable what he's done and he deserves all praise for that that doesn't give you teflon status if you're underperforming like he has been um he, he should have come off a lot earlier and that's the trouble salski has it's okay if i'm taking rashford off who do i bring on oh daniel james who I mean, doesn't look so much like a championship winger now. He looks more like a League One winger. It um, just does not. He, he looks completely shot. Um, Jesse Lingard uh, has had the worst season of his career. And you thought maybe he's, the way he played against Leeds. maybe he's a more suitable option on the left than Daniel James at the moment. Um, I'd, have, I'd have put matter on and just tried to get some fluidity going. It, it would have obviously meant Marshall and Greenwood moving out of position and I understand there'd have been a reluctance to do that because they were goal threats it's just that they're finishing let them down but you just can't you can't persist with a player who is not performing and Rashford has has not been performing for as I said since since football's hiatus ended so and in terms of sympathy um, I don't really because as a fan, I think, said it on, on Twitter, you look at the bench and Matic by Mata, um, Pereira, I've probably missed someone out here. Um, those players all had their, McTominay, um, those players all had their contracts extended on Solskjaer's watch. He signed Daniel James. Um, he moved for Regalo through his Norwegian uh, networking as well. So, that's an awful lot on him in terms of quality of squad depth. Um, he didn't have to have all those players uh, available to him. that They could have released Mata last year. I don't think they should have at all. I'm just making that point. If he didn't want Mata, if he doesn't think he can be that much of a game changer, then he could have just let him go last season. But Mata showed in the quarterfinal that when you bring him on in certain situations, he, is, he, he can have an impact. And I thought he should have come on a lot earlier last night. And it's not the first game in, in recent memory where um, you've been looking at it and thinking, you know, Mata should have probably come on. Um, but I suppose maybe the, the fact that we're looking at United's oldest outfield player as the guy to bring on to effect games, it does rather highlight the problem.
0: Dom, as we said earlier, does confirm that United have another trophyless season. But for you, how do you reflect on the entire season in total? Like like Samuel said, the Champions League qualification was the bare minimum. Van Gaal did it in his first season. Mourinho did it in his first season. Maybe Solskjaer's got a bit too much praise for achieving the third-place finish, really. But that is a huge progress on what United did last season. They got to 3 semi seven-finals. Yes, they might have lost them all. How do you see it? Are you a pessimist or maybe a bit negative after the defeat?
2: Uh, you know that I'm usually an optimist when it comes to these things, and I think in this case it's fair enough because, because of the profile of of the squad and the type of football that's been played, especially since the restart, I think there's a, there's lots of cause to be positive. That front three's has got has got huge potential. Uh, you know, all aged under twenty five, and the midfield looks looks pretty strong. They've got five. Uh, good central uh, midfield options. The defence has been addressed and, and has been improved. Um, the goalkeeping situation is an interesting one going into next season, obviously with De Gea and Dean Henderson, but again, it's a strong area. So there's there's areas to, to really look at and, and think that this will get better for United, but you know you can't get away from the fact that this is Manchester United and that if you don't win a trophy in a season and if you don't um even challenge for the league then, then that's not a success. I think it's uh, progression more than anything else. Uh you know, and Solskjaer has got to be given the chance to continue what he started purely because of the changes that he's been willing to make and the cutthroat decisions that has been made have been made at times really, you know, the, the number of aging players that he's managed to get rid of and people who who weren't performing that he's he's been pretty brutal with he deserves the chance to try and build on this as a as a stepping stone season to something better.
0: Yeah, exactly. But Samuel, the expectations will only go up again next season. United have to win a trophy, really, next season. For you, what do you think the expectation has to be as a minimum for United next year? <sighs> well, <laughs>
1: good question. I, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're talking about moving up the table, which they, they need to look to do, they they, they just need to try and... I don't see it happening for a number of reasons, but they need to, uh, using that word David Moyes famously used, uh, aspire to be title challengers. But this, because of the quick turnaround, um, because of their propensity not to to, to have um, you know transfer windows that are inadequate, shall we say? I I just don't see it. I think it's too early, and unfortunately for Solskjaer, I mean. So qualifying for the Champions League meant he was out of the woods for a good while. Um, if he'd won the Europa League, then it's a successful season. The margin is that fine. If, you, if you're if qualifying for the Champions League and you win a European trophy, that is a successful season. But the, the earliest United can now win a trophy is I think February 28th, which is the League Cup final. An awful lot of things can happen between now and then. Um, and, his, his his role might be on the line again. He might be under more pressure again. They they won four of their first 14 league games last season. And going into that pivotal week where they were at home to Tottenham and away at City, um, he, he was on the rocks at that point. But they had those two brilliant wins. And that brought him more time. So uh, I don't think that, you know, as I said, he's out of the woods at the moment. But there's every possibility that his role could come under scrutiny again. Um, he seemed a lot more open about transfers last night and willing to talk about transfers because the time was appropriate. And also because he knows what what is needed. He's made it very clear with his selections, with his non selections as well, what he thinks of certain players and what he thinks of the current squad and certain excuses that United tend to trot out at times. They, they don't really wash. I've seen, I have, I understand where they're coming from to an extent and I think it probably is unrealistic to expect four major or four big signings in a 10 week window where there's been a global pandemic um that has you know pretty much impinged everyone's um freedom unfortunately and and sadly in in so so many cases but United have got to be realistic about the football side of things as well they they that's that's the flip side to the economic realities quote that that Woodward came out with um and as I said, this is three weeks into a ten week window. I, I don't think it's disingenuous to say it's disappointing that United have not signed a player yet. Um I think like the thing with Sancho is okay, he's the priority, yeah. You know, make try and make him the crux of your negotiations. But there's no harm in going out there. And getting one or two in through the door quickly, like City have done. Ferran Torres and Nathan Ake were eminently attainable, and they signed them. I still think Ake wasn't as expensive as some people have made out, given everything that you take into account. It's just a case of getting the players in, getting you know the the buyable players in, if you like, and then get Sancho in or try and get Sancho in. So you've at least got some incomings. You've reinforced the squad in some areas. Otherwise, what they're doing at the moment, it seems, is that it's all on Sancho and it could run on and on and on. And then they're running out of time to um, f- you know, flesh out the rest of the squad. That was the mistake they made in 2013 with Moyes. Mo- Moyes obviously wanted Maron Flayne and Leighton Baines, which I didn't have a problem with. A lot of United fans did have a problem with because they were Everton players, but they had merit as transfer targets. United should have just signed those two players as soon as humanly possible, even though there'd have been fans moaning. Who cares? Um, if the manager wants them, just go out and buy them. But Moyes had it in his head that, well, I don't want to make my first signings to be old players at Everton. The fact that he even cared about that showed that he was not up to it as United manager. Um and in this case, obviously they will have other targets. They will have other players they want to sign. They should be of the mindset that we go out there and get these other players. Um, like as as we touched upon, like someone like Brooks as as a possible player, that they'd get a lot of kudos for that. I think because there's an, there's an acceptance that Brooks is a very good player. He's had a bad injury, but. He's not a lost cause, and he—he's assigning who would have merit and would have a place in this United squad, and it does mean you also marginalising one of the squad players who's not good enough. But that is another issue. They do need to get rid of a lot of players to make room for these uh, targets. Sanchez has has—you know—they've cut the cord quickly there because they want to get Sancho in quickly, um, but unfortunately, it's not worked out as as they'd have hoped, and unfortunately for United. It is a bloated squad. Still, there are three centre halves they want to sell, um, so the, the the prospect of them signing uh, a new centre back is is very very fanciful.
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, I wrote a piece that as well. If they want a new centre half, I mean, worst comes to worst, you got Chris Smalling to bring back, haven't you? If you had to, I mean, there there are options at the squad, and there there are obviously more glaring issues United to resolve first. So I think the the dreams of a centre-back signing will have Mm. to be put on hold in that aspect but Dom in terms of next season now the pressure is only going to be ramped up on Solskjaer Samuel said before there were sort of almost two stages there was that week when they played Tottenham and City then there was January after the defeat to Burnley there was sort of two turning points where you thought if Solskjaer doesn't start winning games he could be gone and next season that pressure is only going to be amplified by the fact that he's had a year he's had that free pass now really is the time for talking for him
2: yeah I think United are are in a much better place as a as a side than they, they were at the start of last season. And there was that false dawn, wasn't there, with the with a three nil the four nil win over Chelsea, sorry, in the opening day where everyone thought, Blimey, you know, what what a team this is. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna have a real chance. But obviously that was quickly proven wrong. I think this this time around when the season gets going, I think United will will feel confident about their their place in the in the sort of the power rankings of the Premier League they just need they need a good start they obviously need those signings um i think two i don't think i can't see them making any more than two signings if sancho could be one of them i think that would be uh, almost ideal so I, I think united should approach this season with with more confidence and solskjaer certainly should after um some of the good things that he's done there's going to be massive room for improvement obviously but um yeah i think it's 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 mainly an optimistic view with A little bit of caution, like you say, if it all goes wrong early on in the season, there's huge pressure.
0: Yeah, of course. And we'll uh, wait and see and we'll bring you all the latest on the fixture schedule and etc. for next season. But I think we've all earned a break from football for a bit. I'm sure you're all as worn out as the United defence were last night. United season has finally come to an end. No trophies to show for it, but certain signs of progress. But the real work starts now for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as he looks to build upon his foundations and deliver success to United next season. Samuel, Dom? Thank you very much for joining us this week on the Manchester is Red podcast. Thank you. Thanks very much. Uh, thank you as well for listening to the podcast. We will still be with you throughout the summer transfer window. We'll have weekly podcasts as a minimum. we will bring you all the latest transfer news. Thank you very much, though, for listening once again. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.